Hey everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Liberation Bible Study. Welcome to a special backlog bonus episode. As you may know, we host our conversations live on More Light Presbyterian's Facebook page on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. We started going live on Facebook just one week into our COVID-19 lockdown in March of 2020, but I never released those episodes on the podcast with everything else going on. However, I want to make sure those conversations are included in the podcast too. So I'll be releasing a bonus episode of content recorded the same week just one year ago. While some of the context may have shifted, the liberation possibilities from scripture remain the same. Please enjoy. So, hey, everybody, and welcome to Liberation Bible Study, which is the place where we reconnect to the deep roots of resistance and liberation that biblical texts offer. I'm your host, Alex McNeil, and in this Bible study, we feature conversation partners who bring with them an intersection of identities as either LGBTQIA plus folks, people of color, activists, theologians, and pastors. And today we are continuing our interactive conversation to include those of you tuning in on Facebook. So hello, we welcome you. And wherever you are and whenever you hear or watch this conversation, I hope it can offer you a moment of respite and reconnection and a space for spiritual nourishment to fuel your well of resilience. And this week on Liberation Bible Study, we are journeying through Holy Week, like most of us. Today, I have the pleasure of reading the lectionary text for Easter with Lydia Timbo. And yesterday, I was able to read uh, the text for Good Friday with Jessica Vasquez Torres. So look out for that if you didn't get a chance to see it. And though Good Friday and Easter are later this week, as we know, we wanted to make sure that anyone preparing liturgy or sermons this week had those in advance. So for today's episode, I'm so excited to welcome Lydia Timbo. Um, Lydia, I so appreciate the ways in which your imagination and spirit encounter texts in any conversation we have. You always help us think deeply and differently about um, the, the conversation at hand. So I'm excited to, to read with you. And we're going to be reading the lectionary text for Easter, which is Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10, through the theme of discovery. Mm. So let's get to it. I want to start by having us introduce our pronouns, our work, and our identities, because we know that all of who we are shows up whenever we encounter biblical texts. So Lydia, please share a bit more about who you are. Wonderful. Uh, my name is Lydia Tembo. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. I identify as a cis, able body, curious, married, Zambian, American, transplant, uh, daughter, sister, friend, and an ally um, to all of God's creatures and creation. Um, I serve as the admitter, uh, as the recruitment associate um, at, at Princeton Theological Seminary, bleh, uh, oh. and I, where I earned my MDiv. And um, yeah, I'm just happy to be here. And thank you, Alex, for the invite. Absolutely. Thanks, Lydia. Um, and I am Alex Batchin McNeil, and my pronouns are he and him. And one thing I keep forgetting to say is that I'm an ordained pastor in the PCUSA these days. Yes, you are. <laughs> uh, that's, 
name and claim it. And um, I identify as a transgender man, white, born and raised, and now living again here in the South in North Carolina. Um, and, and, you know, I think one thing that I uh, bring with me to these texts in particular in my role at More Light um, as executive director is really trying to look for where this message can connect to us in the places of our pain and brokenness, because I think that um, sitting with that is so important as we seek to be a place of abundance and welcome to not skip over those parts of ourselves. So um, just noticing that kind of, especially in Easter and Holy Week is such an important thing to be reminded of. Um, so I'm excited to dig in. <laughs> and I'd love to uh, kick off our first reading. And for those of you who are new to this, Liberation Bible Study, we follow Lectio Divina, but we do it with a, a twist, um, which is to say that the first time we read through the text, we ask the question, you know, what stands out to us? What, what do we see in this passage, which is very familiar to those who practice Lectio Divina. But then the second two questions uh, invite us into a conversation around um, where we are called to resistance, resistance of empire and status quo, um, and then what vision for the work of liberation the text offers. So that said, I'm excited to kind of start to, to feel into this Easter text um, and notice what stands out to us as we read through Matthew 28 verses 1 through 10. And Lydia, I'd love to have you be the first one to read. Okay, let's go for it. The Resurrection of Jesus. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, for he has been raised from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. I'm curious as you read through that time, what's something that stood out to you in this text? The movement. There was so much movement. Um, it's, it's after the Sabbath. There's been cooking, there's been um, praying, there's been gatherings. And the women move. Mm. Uh, the disciples are left back and they're afraid, they're perplexed, they don't know what to do, but the women are moving. 
they're moving towards the tomb, um, I could imagine them being prepared with their items and, you know, getting dressed and, and making sure they bring a snack. I would. Yeah. And, uh, and they're moving. And even though there's this earthquake that they could feel, um, they're still present. The, the guards, you know, they, they fell out, they passed out, and they're still present. And there's just so much movement in this text. And I, I want to follow, and I hope that others who are reading it are also intrigued in this movement. So it's a reminder for me, like, um, how much movement there is in the text. And not only does it move us emotionally, it moves us within the text. So um, I sense a lot of movement there. Yeah, that's interesting, because I feel like you have this contrasting vision of the guards who fell out of like paralysis both for the disciples, the guards and others. And yet the women and the angel and then Jesus, like we're all like, no, we gotta get, we gotta get going here. We can't just sit around. And that's what I feel like as, you know, in my context, I feel like as women, we move, you know, um, I, I, I know my mom would say, you're always on the street. You're always going about, you're always doing something. And that's the way I respond. Um, in places of fear, in places of uh, mourning, I need to move in anxiety. I need to move um, as a way for me to process, uh, not only with myself. So in this text, I totally get the women, you know, um, the main characters, the heroines here, um, being in this action of movement, um, this an invitation almost, you know, um, and. Uh, for us to bear witness, especially in this text. So I, I definitely see myself within these women in this time of despair um, to just almost catching up with the physical um, actions, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because it, it also makes me wonder like, what did they expect to find? You know, the, the first action was they were they were going, you know, it's early morning after the Sabbath and they're they're going to go see the tomb. And in Matthew's text versus Mark's, there's, they're not bringing oil. They're not like, there's no clear action that they anticipate doing once they get to the tomb, but they just know they got to go. Which is interesting. I like they're going to go see the tomb, mm -hmm. see about the tomb, see the status of the tomb, take inventory of the tomb. Um, mm -hmm. That like, see the tomb is uh i could i could stay there for a little bit you know um not go by the tomb they're gonna go see they're gonna spend some time there so i really appreciate you know this um these first couple of lines in in matthew you know um the extra the spices and all that are important um as in mark but i like how matthew just you know emphasizes to see yeah. the tomb yeah, it reminds me a little bit of like, I remember the day that the Supreme Court overturned DOMA, mm -hmm. um, the Defense of Marriage Act. I was living in Washington, DC. And the minute that decision came down, like I was living in Maryland, like just over the line, maybe like seven miles from the Supreme Court, which in DC traffic is really like half an hour. It's not, it's no small journey to get there. But as soon as they did it, just everybody from all corners 
of the city of, of Maryland, of Virginia, of DC, like streamed to the Supreme Court because they just had to see it. They just had to bear witness to this huge thing that just happened and, and to be together. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really struck by that impulse of as soon as this, like you just know you gotta go. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and bearing witness being the action, like I wasn't gonna do anything once I got to the Supreme Court other than, you know, we ended up doing some ad hoc communion, communion outside the Methodist building and like other, other ways of celebrating. But um, my first impulse was like, we just gotta go check it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think, you know, we, we talked about reading this text through the theme of discovery. And as you were reading, I think what struck out, stuck out to me was this notion of like how often we encounter, and, and especially in this text, like an unexpected discovery, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> Those are not my favorite, but they happen, right? They're not my favorite, but they happen. Uh, I'm more of a planner, right? Mm -hmm. I'm more of like, okay, I'm gonna go to the tomb and I'm sure I'm gonna find, you know, stone there and those pesky guards are gonna be there. Um, that, that's, that's what's on my mind, right? You're ready for uh, a picnic. <laughs> You're like, I got my snacks. <laughs> my snacks, I didn't expect an angel to come down. Like what, what is this madness, you know? So those unexpected um, occasions are definitely a reminder uh, of our uh, notion of control or notion of uh, imagination, you know? Mm -hmm. um, that discovery will find you, yes. will discover you, you know, whether you're ready or not. Um, that's yeah. what Lauren Hill will say. Mm. You did. Yes. Yes, you did. But I think that's so real because I think it goes back to your earlier thing of, I think sometimes we act to like force something to happen. Like I'm going to do X so that this will be the outcome. Whereas I think in the beginning of this text, they're like, we just got to go and bear witness. And is that a place for the kind of unexpected discovery to actually happen? Like when you're when you're staying present to the moment, changing rather than like, no, I'm here for my picnic and I'm gonna have my picnic no matter what, whether this stone is here or not. Um, they were kind of just willing to, to let the moment move them too. Mm -hmm. Sometimes not everyone could be awake at the same time, you know? I don't know if Mer the, the women woke up, other people were trying to nudge them like, hey, something is happening. We need to go tend to this, wake up, you know? Um, sometimes the people have to be left sleeping and you can't bother with those people that are sleeping, you know? Uh, or say, can I, should I nudge them gently? Should I push them? You know, should I shove them? Right. Um, let me let them be and let us rise up together and go. And, and, and let our natural compass lead, lead us to where we need to be. Mm -hmm. um, so we could catch up with that feeling, with that emotion, let's catch up to that. Yeah. Mm. It made me wonder too, like there's this part in the text where they're the last ones left standing, like the guards mm -hmm. fall out. And the angel says, I think the translation is like, don't you be afraid, you know, like, I made me wonder about um, what what was it like to be the ones who were a little less afraid 
that they could stay standing while the others fell out or stayed sleeping or stayed home? I think they were holding, you know, they were holding that, that, that fear, but yet their strength kept them up. You know, their, their faith kept them up. Their willpower kept them up. Some things definitely supernatural kept them up. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't mean they were any less fear, fearless or fear, any less with fear, but um, I don't, I don't think that their fear, even though someone says, you know, don't be scared. And you're like, okay, (laughs) sure. You know, they're like, thank you. (laughs) Um, I got that, but I'm still afraid, you know? Um, But the message that came after that, you know, um, the instructions, you know, don't be afraid and, you know, don't be afraid, but, you know, so that instruction was like, I'm still going to be afraid, but I'm listening to what you're saying, you know? Um, Yeah. yeah. What if it had been something like, I see you are afraid and. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. We got a comment from Larissa. Um, Hi, Larissa, uh, who says, I'm struck by this idea of being moved, kind of what we were talking about earlier. Um, How can we allow ourselves to be moved, whether from our own plans, expectations, fears, worries, et cetera? Oh Mm. gosh, I have so many uh, examples of of that, right? Um, Mm. You know, been told by my mothers and my my siblings don't cause any trouble you you just listen you just do you know um but i'm, I'm a mover i'm a shaker I, I can't help it sometimes that i it catches up with me before i'm even there yet you know mm-hmm. and other people witness it um but i think it's just like being realistic um and saying okay maybe it's out of my control, you know, maybe it's out of my control, but there's something in you that, that, that says now, you know, um, since I know you're afraid, I see what you're doing, but it's, it's now. Um, I don't know if I might have to think about that a little bit because I definitely in reflecting back to my own life experiences, I have gone through that. Whereas I don't want to go. I want to stay right here. It's safe. It's familiar, but what is waiting for me is much greater than where I am right now. So even carrying that in, in, imaginative faith and imaginative thought um, can get me through step by step. Absolutely. Gosh, I, I think I want to just draw an underline under one, something you just said around, there's something around movement in that, like listening to our deepest gut, our deepest gut, 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 because there's the fear gut that can, you know, cause paralysis and, 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 you know, the kind of fight or flight thing. And then there's the deepest gut that says, there's something brewing. There's something happening. I don't, I don't know what it is, but, and, and then connecting to the kind of how you finished around and part of what allows for movement is some trust around what's on the other side, even if, the movement you have to go through is painful. I mean, the women who went to the tomb had been through one of the most painful weeks of their lives, I imagine. No strangers to pain. This tops it all. Yeah. You know? And to me, I also want to say, like, it's amazing. 
and whenever I'm having that kind of a moment in my life, like, well, I'm going to look back on this as part of the, the crappiest moment of my life. Um, but sometimes there is that still small voice that gets super clear about what matters and where I need to be. I don't know. Have you ever experienced something like that, that kind of inner clarity in those moments of like deep upheaval and earthquake? Uh, yes, I would say going through a divorce um, and definitely going to seminary. You know, those were the two clearest uh, gut, gut voices, mm. Holy Spirit voices that led me because I don't, I didn't think I could do either, right? Um, both would be uh, exercising this boldness that I was told to minimize, this boldness mm. that I was told, you know, was causing trouble. Um, but yet that little piece of me grew with each step, with each bit of clarity, um, and looking back at it, I was like, ah, that is me. I'm going to claim that, you know, um, because each little bit of that gave me instruction, you know, instruction for me to move, to sit, to listen, to speak. Um, and even the messengers around me, you know, um, helped me along the, the way, um, to be attuned, um, to that to that piece of me, that voice within me. So, yeah. Mm. Just to connect that experience back to the story, I think that those messengers show up in this text as well. Like the women get up, they get to the tomb. Suddenly there's an angel. They have a conversation. And then they're like, they, you know, the angel sends them to Galilee and they could have gone that whole way and not encountered Jesus. But it's like yet another messenger Jesus, you know, Jesus is Christ's self comes to them to say, keep going. Like you can keep doing this. And I think that's a really interesting kind of point of connection too, is sometimes movement, we think of movement as like one big action. And yet when you look back on, you know, what took you to seminary or, you know, kind of the steps it took to kind of into marriage, it's like, those are a lot of little steps, like step-by-step to get to this huge outcome mm -hmm. that ultimately was, you know, a Holy Spirit inspired thing for you. Um, and there's something really deep in there too of, we also think of Holy Week as this huge overarching, overarching event. And yet when you, when you get very linear, like very granular in the text, it's like moment to moment, step by step movement. This Easter, uh, this Lenten season has been one of the most impactful. I, I, I think it'd be the most memorable for many reasons, right? But it has allowed me to participate in those small movements, you know, um, in those small bits of connecting myself, you know, uh, whether with my community, whether in, in my prayer life, in my spiritual life. But the movement has been, you know, I, I'm not ready for Lent to be over, mm. you know. However, um, this season has been um, timely, and I, I, I appreciate it. And now we're in Holy Week, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. We're, we're certainly going to be in an ongoing season, mm -hmm. whether Holy Week is... Through, when Holy Week is through 
of being invited back to the micro and the small and the moment to moment, you know, experience and existence. And I think that's a really sacred invitation. You know, I'm like walking meditations and other ways of noticing just the like, the, the smallest step of the path in front of you. I, um, I know when I'm going too fast, I miss so much. Yeah. And in terms of discovery, like, I think that's when my plan takes over and I'm just doing my plan and um, missing sometimes the opportunity to really see what's going on in the, in the infinitesimal, you know. I'm wondering if this is an opportunity for us to move to our second reading, Lydia. Sure. Um, and to encounter uh, Matthew 28, 1 through 10 again. Mm -hmm. And this time, as we read, we'll be um, seeking a guidance around how this text calls us to resistance. Yes. And I offer resistance in two, the two-sided way. One is resistance of empire, status quo, kind of people of resistance. But the other is, going back to the small, where do we notice resistance in ourselves? There's something that we're resisting about this word. And it's not always there, but I wanna offer both interpretations because I find that we can't skip to the world change without thinking about if we're feeling resistance. Yeah. So let us listen now for the second reading of the text and I'll be reading the NRSV. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my family to go to Galilee. There they will see me. I'm curious how this text might call us to resistance, Lydia. There's, I just sense a lot of solidarity here, a reminder of solidarity. Um, this this act of of uh, of, uh, of terror of of the crucifixion of the trial of of everything was was meant to separate mm -hmm. was meant to bring people's spirit down was meant to uh, to um, embarrass to to be this act of fear um, to instill fear. Um, to keep people silent, to keep people in their place. Um, and yet, 
there's, you know, there these women that, that come together and, and they go regardless of, there's this messenger from God that said, this is, this fight is not over. You know, there's still more work to be done. Um, they might've gotten the body, but we've got the spirit, you know, so don't be fooled <laughs> by what the state, you know, said that they have won, you know, I'm going to give all y'all victory. Um, so yeah, I think the resistance is definitely, um, in a solidarity, you know, get, get all those, uh, whimpering disciples or, you know, those people that might think that it's finished, it's not finished. Um, we have to keep moving, you know, and our first stop is Galilee. So, um, resistance here is, is solidarity, you mm -hmm. know, um, in times of various wars, uh, we might be misled uh, in times of personal struggle. We might be misled. Sometimes we go insular, you know, and disconnect ourselves from others. Um, those are tactics. But we have, you know, as believers, uh, we have our own tactics, you know, that means coming together. Uh, communities, we're, we're, we're called to do that work, you know. I might like, like you, but I'm called to love you, you know. So um, the state might the state and others might want to separate us, but we are joined um, and we have, I mean, if that's one thing, the nerdy part of me, you know, we have our creeds, we have our rituals, you know, that bring us together, that reconnect us, you know, because so many things trying to break us apart daily, you know, um, that we get confused, worn down, con you know, I, some people might, you know what, this is not for me. I'm, I'm going to, do not, you know, I can't deal with all this, but we're called to be the outliners. You know, we have to be, we're called to be different. We're called to, to be the witness of something possible, you know, something that, that, that we are called to have faith in, you know? So, um, I really, I, I really look to these women that remind me once more that I can't do everything on my own, you know, mm -hmm. and others can't do everything on their own. Right. Right. So how can I be reminded to not only reach out for assistance and help, but be that assistance of help um, in a Christ centered way. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I could talk on, but I'm, I'm gonna let you go, Alex. I love it. I love it. I love that. <laughs> I was receiving, we have his body. No. Yeah, they took his body, but we have his spirit. Um, I just wanted to say that again. Um, I was really struck by the, the description of the women as having fear and great joy. And it reminded me of the kind of articles that have come out about running into the storm, like chaplains and, and, and first responders and healthcare providers running into the eye of the storm. Um, and I feel like that's what these women are doing is there's fear around what are the ramifications, implications, are we gonna be, I mean, I'm wondering if some, if them, some of their fear was, are we gonna be arrested for even sharing this news? Um, are we going to be now suspect, um, let alone the fear and trembling of the, the awe-inspiring kind of miracle that they've just witnessed? Like, how many layers of fear are they carrying? 
And yet there's this joy of, like you said, the joy of solidarity, the joy of it's not finished. Like we get to keep going. Um, I think the, the joy there is such a reminder of you can face a lot of fears with a centeredness on what matters and like what God is calling you to. Like, and I think people right now who are running into the eye of the storm around the response to COVID, there's a lot of fear there, but there's a deeper purpose. It may not be joy all the time and fun and games, but there's a sense of like, I want to take care of my community. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's deep resistance in that. I think in particular, in this particular moment we're in of like, we're literally sheltering in our homes. Like, could we be further away from each other, not allowed to gather? And yet the sense of some community solidarity I'm seeing is, is breaking through the isolation and like caring for people with different abilities and access and um, seeing the cracks in the system more clearly. You know, I think um, to me, there's, there's breaking through of great joy in this particular moment that I hope kind of keeps us going past Galilee. Um, yes. It, in some translations, the, the greetings um, that Jesus said to them is rejoice, you know, rejoice. I see you, but the first thing I'm gonna say to you is rejoice, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was a command. I don't know if that was, you know, a invitation, but, or even a reminder, you know, um, just to be greeted in that kind of way. You know, I know after, after, you know, I'm able to actually embrace someone besides my partner, right? I will be rejoicing. Yeah. You know, that will be a time of, of greetings and rejoicing. Um, it'll be a culmination of all those fears that have been, you know, stirring up, but it will be such a time of rejoicing. Um, and this is a reminder for me today, you know, of encountering another whenever that will be and be in a place of rejoice, of joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're reminding me, perhaps Jesus is is inviting them to make a choice Mm. to be joyful. Um, And I know that, you know, the the kind of expression joy is an act of resistance. I think it's so true around the kind of death dealing um, status quo empire that, that seeks to dehumanize. Like joy is the way we sustain and kind of push back against like saying that we don't deserve to live a life full and whole. Um, And I think there's an invitation kind of like Mr. Rogers says, like notice the helpers, notice, notice the moments of joy. Mm -hmm. I think it's a way to cultivate some of that presence, which back to Larissa's earlier question and our conversation, I think allows us to move, Mm -hmm. allows us to get up and do something we didn't think we were capable of to, you know, get up and and share our gifts or um share our vision for revolution or kind of share our form of protest i've just been 
struck even in this moment of how many artists are jumping on Instagram live and DJing like hours of a set or um, offering a dance class or Alvin Ailey streaming all of their performances like on Facebook. I just, I think that's a choice to kind of like cultivate a resistance practice of joy when so many places would prefer you to be afraid. Amen. That's a word, choose joy. Which is hard. It's, it, ain't, it ain't pretty. Nope. I don't think it's easy. I don't think it's sunshine and roses. Um, it's a daily attention paying to yourself. And I think, you know, if I'm, if I'm in the middle of a really hard experience, like I think it's that clarity of what I was saying earlier, if I'm, if I'm in a, a, a tough experience, you know, my mom was in the hospital last year and we didn't know what was gonna happen. And I also remember just like, dying laughing over the dumbest things together and like putting the RNs to their paces and just like making jokes with people. And I think it's in those moments where you're confronted with mortality, reality, with systemic injustice, where our laughter becomes our way of taking another step and saying, this isn't going to define me for the rest of my life. Um, and to consciously choose that posture, I think flies in the face of what is expected. I think that can sometimes is my unexpected discovery is like, I can laugh in the moment where I feel like I could also cry and that's okay. I like that, that, that discovery of, of the unexpected uh, and sometimes it's joy. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And sometimes it's your well of reserves. Like, I think it's us, like the joy is, is like your capacity for joy, your capacity for love, your capacity for care, um, to me is kind of what roots an unexpected discovery. And I don't think it's, it's that's the human in us. Um, we have that capacity, whether it's looking at the smallest bud on, on a tree that is, you know, about to bloom or, you know, a child giggling over nothing, you know, or laughing, you know, when you're not supposed to, you know, I guess mean, that's the human in us. Um, it is in our, in our well. Um, and we, it has to be, you know, we have to be attentive, you know, if someone's wells might be depleted, right? Be attentive to, to that and, and be compassionate, you know, um, we are the children of the resurrection. However, we don't always have to drag people to the resurrection with us, to the place of joy with us. You know, um, sometimes it's okay to sit and, and allow others to sit in, mm -hmm. in a place of, of, of um, that, you know, a place that it might not be joyful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think the most powerful act the women did was to want to go sit by the tomb. Mm -hmm. And does that action allow for everything else that was to come? Like, is there a resurrection if no, one, resurrection if no one's there to witness it? Mm -hmm. I think their willingness to go sit in the hardest place may have helped some of the conditions come forth for that tomb to shatter. Like the resurrection had already happened, they say, and the angel says he's already been raised, but to really witness and, and, 
you know, take it to Galilee, first they had to confront the possibility that Jesus' body was still going to be in there. It reminds me of doing CPE work, you know, and clinical pastoral education and being, you know, a chaplain at the hospital. And the one thing you could do in time of death and, you know, a sickness is sit and just being there, you know, with the questions of the unknown and just being able to sit with someone um, is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, in several texts, the women can bring ointments and oils and maybe snacks. They don't bring answers. Mm -hmm. They don't bring like plans and decisions. They bring their bodies and ways to care for Jesus's body if it's still there. And it's Um, enough. And it's enough. Yeah, I think that is some of the conditions for joy to even exist. Hmm. I wonder if we're ready to move into our third reading. Sure. Um, I think we're I think we're moving towards liberation. All right. And so, uh, Lydia, I'd love for you to read it through a third time, and um, we'll be noticing what vision for the work of liberation this text offers. There might be some a few things on this Easter passage that call us to liberation. Okay, listen now. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became dead like men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has been raised from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Did a vision for the work of liberation catch your eye in this third reading, Lydia? I, I feel like to going back to this, you know, do not be afraid. Go. Go and tell, go and speak, go and share, go and confess, go and, and witness and go and, and proclaim on my behalf. There's a charge here. Um, There's a timeliness here. Jesus doesn't let them worship him for days and hours and, you know, go ahead, be at my feet. Um, Jesus is pretty much stating there's a certain urgency of what's to come. Um, Mm. I still struggle with do not be afraid. I get the go, I get the tell, I get the share, but do not be afraid, I'm kind of stuck on. Um, 
and in being someone who doesn't like anyone telling me what to do. <laughs> Christ might be included in that. Um, so I'm kind of stuck here. I'm kind of stuck here. Um, yeah. I know the intentions of Christ is do not be held down by these, um, these untruths, you know, um, do not be held down by things that aren't, aren't, uh, aren't at stake right now. Um, so I, I would say that's how I'm reading this right now. Yeah. As far as liberation goes. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like, don't be, don't get stuck. Don't get hung up. Yeah. Don't get frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe do not be afraid is another way of saying like, it's really me, you know, you can trust this. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other places where we hear, do not be afraid, you know, very reminiscent of the shepherds in the fields being told to, you know, as one of the, my favorite Christmas hymns is like rise up shepherd and follow, you know, and like get up and go. You know, fear is a condition, but it doesn't have to stop you from doing. And maybe that's like, don't let the two be connected. And back to, you know, when the angels and messengers were visiting, you know, Mary and Joseph, you know, there is something more to come, you know, do not be afraid, you know. Um, So this could be, I'm actually inviting you, I'm actually helping you move to the next level, move to this other new life, this way, new other way of being. Um, and But you have to let go of the fear. You have to put that down for now in order to to follow me. Um, the, the, the guards on the floor, they passed out because they don't have the faith that you have. They don't have the resilience that you have or the wisdom that you have. They passed out because they were afraid and it took over them. Um, to a physical state and here you are you're still standing so you you obviously could could do this um so this in this work of liberation I I could I could see that you know uh, you know comparing the two you know one being taken over Mm -hmm. and being the leader um towards something new a new way of being yeah an invitation to do the do the joyful and hard thing and what does it look like to put our fear down how scary is that (laughs) how scary is letting go of fear and you know my spiritual director would say well if you can't put the fear down then then hold the fear with love and compassion which is greater than the fear Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 shepherd it along you, the the path that you're you're heading to. Yeah. You, they can't bring any baggage. They could just bring <laughs> that portion of that fear and and come along because um, it's hard to to put that fear down. But it could it could take over yeah. and um, hold you captive. Yeah. Um, you put the fear in the back seat, but don't let it be mm-hmm. the driver. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is such a deep invitation to us 
in this moment. Um, I think what I noticed in the in the third reading is is like you said, you know, go and do these things, go and share this news, but it's not go give them Jesus's strategic plan for how this is going to unfold. Like <laughs> start a committee. <laughs> yeah, it's like go and be a witness to what you've seen. Period. And by the way, yeah. If you can do that without like can like not holding on so tightly to the fear, that would be awesome. Um, and people could really, really see what you saw. I remember being in grade school and they were gonna tear down a park and I really wanted to go and, you know, hold a banner and walk around the park and, you know, being told not to cause any trouble, being told, you know, um, this is just the way things are, you know, um, Jesus is using these women, you know, to do that work, to, to engage, you know, to rally. Yeah. Um, as models, what the posture could be, you know, in a place of trust and, and joy. Um, so yeah, I see these women really, um, taking instructions and, and doing it, period, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I see, you know, Deborah, I, I see, you know, Hagar, I see, I see, I see you, you know? Um, yeah. Mm. That capacity to listen to a calling and follow it. Um how many times do we get something on our hearts that we want to do or feel called to do and talk ourselves out of it? Mm -hmm. you know, like, no, I shouldn't volunteer to do X, Y, or Z. What if, what if, what if? I shouldn't, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> like, I, I think we're so good at talking ourselves out of, of creative or other kinds of callings, liberation callings mm -hmm. that could model liberation to others because we're afraid because our fears got us locked and like wants to keep us passed out. Um, I think liberation is a vision you can offer to and with others. It's something to be shared. And um, I hear in this invitation, don't let your fear prevent you from sharing the thing you've been called to do. And I think Jesus and these, it, it is significant that it's these women, these women who may have a muscle of resiliency that they've had to build up over the years. Like they had the guts to follow Jesus as women and they had the guts to be in there as disciples and be called disciples and continue to follow this path. And so like, of course they're the ones who are the, gonna be the first to see and believe and go and tell because I think they've been practicing that presence, practicing that um, ability to not let fear prevent them from doing what they feel called to do. And to me, that's an invitation for liberation for all of us. They need a title disciple, you know, <laughs> they need to, I mean, some people get stuck, you know, you get, you're waiting for this title, just do the work. You know, mm -hmm. I know the title, you know, holds something to it, but um, 
yeah. Mm. These women are definitely great models to, to, to follow. Right. Because, by the way, we just had this whole Holy Week experience kind of in a fight over titles and mm-hmm. authority and who's authorized. And the fact that it's not that Jesus was raised to even his most authority, like authorized disciples that you're so familiar with throughout the text, the Peters and the Paul, you know, um, that it's to, to women who's already, who've already believe inherently in their authority mm-hmm. <laughs> to like be part of this rabble following Jesus. I think that there's something really powerful in that too. Exactly. They sound like the troublemakers I want to roll with. Amen. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And I hear in that for me an invitation of like, how can I be more like these women in my daily life? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I mean, my role now as being someone who accompanies others in their sense of call has been, uh, I mean, it's just another reminder, you know, of these narratives of, of who I have come after and who will be coming after me. And there's a way to accompany uh, each other in this walk of, of, of living and discerning our call, you know? So that's yes. a great reminder, a uh, timely reminder in these times. Uh, so thank you for choosing this particular text. Uh, it chose us really. I yeah. mean, I, I just want to underscore an amen to that because we never believe that you can discern your calling just by yourself, mm-hmm. that it, you, it, it is part of your community and it is part of being like accompanying others in it, nor that we just own our own calling by ourselves, that part of our roles are to cheerlead and support and walk alongside those who are taking some new steps along their paths of, of their calling. So I want to just underline that. Um, as we kind of close our practice today, I wanna invite us, me and you, to name what's something that we wanna take with us as a result of this reading and our conversation today. What do you wanna hold for yourself as we go through the rest of Easter? I wanna hold the word, um, well, I wanna hold a couple words, but just one thing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You can name two things. I think fear and joy, fear and joy. Um, in this time where there's a whole lot of fear, you know, I am full of joy to be able to be, still be connected to, to people, you know, um, whether it's by FaceTime or uh, Zoom calls, uh, I find joy in that. Uh, so fear and joy. Mm. And I'm going to add to fear and joy, I'm going to add presence that mm. it part of the work is being and showing up. And going if the spirit calls. And presence is the way that we can get to those unexpected discoveries in my Mm -hmm. book. Um, And then once that happens, kind of repeating the cycle of fear and joy and presence to find the next step. I dig it. I dig it. Well, I'm so, so grateful that you were able to join me in this conversation and for the work you do to accompany those who are discerning their own calls as well, Lydia. I think that you really help kind of co-create a, a broad spiritual community and um, allow impact and empower others to, to be witnesses to that. Thank you so much, Alex, for this opportunity. And thanks y'all for joining us on Facebook and 
we'll see you next week, uh, Wednesday or Tuesday at 2 p.m. for our kind of after Easter's beginning Liberation Live. So peace be with you all. Blessed Easter, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Liberation Bible Study. This podcast is a project of More Light Presbyterians. Tune in to our Facebook page at More Light Presby to participate in the live conversation Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. Talk next week. Bye.